Welcome to episode 17 of the Four Geeks, a Star Wars podcast where X-Wing marks the spot. Thanks for joining us, and also thanks to our friends at DailySuperhero.com, where you can find focused coverage on movies, TV content, and more from Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Ghostbusters. New episodes typically dropping on Mondays, and please support us by subscribing and leaving us a positive review. This week on the show, we're now halfway through the final season of The Clone Wars, with episode 6 having dropped this past Friday, and we will go full-on spoiler mode as we usually do with a review of the episode so you have been warned if you haven't watched it yet well you know what to do go take a look at it and come back also big casting news for the second season of mandalorian with an actor known for his action roles from the 80s and 90s specifically but he's been a very active here in the 2000s as well and we've got more casting news on the return of a character from the first season plus we're going further down the rabbit hole of rosario dawson's casting on the clone wars fan favorite character and former Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tana, specifically if the casting makes sense as a one-and-done role or if it is a sign of some things to come. We'll go into that. Finally, some news on the Cassian Andor series. It appears Lucasfilm plans to put some of the characters from the now-defunct projects they've been working on that were being developed into play for the upcoming Rogue One prequel series with Cassian Andor, as I mentioned off the top there. So, I'm Nate Custer, coming to you from Northwest Arkansas, NWA, and I'm joined by my fellow Force geek from Seattle, Jake Scott and frequent contributor here, DailySuperhero.com founder Daniel Wolf from Cleveland. Gentlemen, it is so nice to be back here talking Star Wars with you. I'll start off in Seattle with Jake. How are you this week, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing well, doing well. You know, yeah. coping, uh, self-isolating. Uh, yep. Again, I feel like I was made for this. I'm not bothered at all. As long as I get a chance to maybe have a few drinks via Zoom call, which I know this guy, Daniel Wolf, <laughs> knows about as well. It's a great way to unwind during this time of self-isolation, Dan. Yeah, it's good over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me again. And uh, uh, definitely, I recommend playing drinking games while on Zoom calls. Um, but definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely watch how much you drink because I definitely paid for it last night. <laughs> I'm not going to get any. So but you had a good. Time. I'm not going to get into any details, but you can definitely assume what happened. <laughs> huh? Well, there's a lot of ways we can huh? go with that. But huh? yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much and you pay the price that's all good well guys i'm so excited to have you both back on the show again here obviously it's something we all have a passion for that's why we do this show uh star wars it gives us a break from all the news all the press conferences everything going on we hope that you are feeling uh healthy uh as things are getting worse out there but we're going to just distract you for a while uh probably for a good 45 minutes to an hour to just take yourself and and just hit light speed and, and go into hyperspace and get the heck out of here and talk about something fun for a while. So I want to get to the first topic here. Uh, so this is, you know, kind of the thing we've been talking about for a while. We've been waiting for the Ahsoka storyline. It is here. Let's start with the Clone Wars episode six. That has dropped since we last checked in on the podcast. And we are solidly in the second story arc of three with Ahsoka's journey as an ex-Jedi. Again, this is spoiler time to skip ahead 10 minutes or so if you don't want us to ruin this for you. Chris, I'm talking to you specifically, one of our <laughs> listeners out there and good friend from the past, uh, one of our great friends over the years. But uh, just hit pause, watch the show, come back, listen here, or catch up on all the episodes. And there's, again, seven seasons you're going to be watching here. So you do want to yep. do that. He's got with some catch-up to do. <laughs> he does. Now, with this episode, we get some callbacks to past adventures, like Solo with the Kessel Run and Ahsoka and her new friends, are spice runners now fellas 
I know there's some thoughts on this episode, and uh, and I know some strong ones that. Let's start with you, Jake, on this one. So after watching this episode, uh, I know that we talked about a little retconning going on that you noticed about the Kessel. Run. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, Kessel's been around since day one, basically. I mean, they yeah. mentioned it in uh, the original Star movie. Wars in 77, and it's been a big deal in the EU ever since then. I went back to my uh, bookshelf reference library here for... Uh, let's see, Star Wars, Volume 1 of the Jedi Academy Trilogy, Jedi Search by Kevin J. Anderson, published in 1994. That'd be the year we graduated from high school, Nate. Aren't we oh. old? Oh, 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 yeah, I had to bring so that So if you don't <laughs> mind, so you remember in Episode 6 where uh, they show him flying into Kessel and it's like this beautiful, you know, jungle planet and then pretty and white clouds and blue sky and all this other stuff? I'm sensing so, you're not happy with that, but go uh, on. It's not that I'm unhappy. It's just, you know, I, it's hard for me to reconcile the differences sometimes when you've got these things that have been established for so long and then they just the kind of turn up legends. in their head. The EU is legends. I know, legends. I know, I know. Kessel looked like a wraith coasting along in its orbit, too small to hold on to its own atmosphere. I know they say it looked like a potato, is what they always say. Huge generating factories constantly process the raw rocks to release oxygen and carbon dioxide, making it possible for people to survive outside with simple breath masks instead of total environmental suits. A good portion of the newly manufactured atmosphere escaped into space, wisping behind the small planet like the tail of a giant comet. Kessel's surface was whitish and powdery with a few hardly transplanted weeds trying to survive in the crevices. Great plumes from the atmosphere factories gushed into its pinkish sky. Yeah, there's a lot there, but also... I actually am good with the retconning on it, even though I wasn't super familiar, but I was familiar from the movie Solo, what it looked like, and yep. Planet did not look quite like that, but I'll say that I think the storyline is kind of cool from this one single aspect. Yep. You've got yep. people pro you know, profiting off of the uh, poor treatment of others, and so yes. I was okay with seeing this like kingdom of a nice part, which is how it would be, I think, if it were possible oh, yeah. to have a nice planet that has a resource that's being exploited. I mean, I think we see it in real life here when you look at the the mines of, uh, you know, uh, strip mining going on mm -hmm. on Earth. We have many beautiful spots. Then we have these other spots that are just ugly and nasty and industrialized because that is the center for industrial, you know, uh, manufacturing. Or yep. if you're looking at mining, that sort of thing. For the resources. We all use the resources. Make your peace with it. Don't. I don't know how to, you know, I don't like how it looks either, but I don't know what the answer is not having those resources. And sure. you get a whole big thing there. I'm, I'm not an environmentalist necessarily, but I do believe in trying to protect the earth. But I think that without getting into the specifics of our situation, looking at that, I'm fine because it has this race that is benefiting from the poor treatment of others, which seems realistic and possible. And on top of it, you do see the ugly side of Kessel when you go to the actual mines and see the slaves working, all that sort of stuff. So I think for a storyline with Ahsoka, who is trying to figure out where she is in her journey in this life, that episode actually is kind of good to show the two different things going on in, in a kind of a deeper level of looking at things. You've got this amazing, beautiful thing happening, like, you know, life with the Jedi, perhaps. And you've got this ugly side of things, which is the reality of the world outside the Jedi. And so if you make Kessel kind of that analogy, it kind of worked for me and I was okay with retconning it to some degree. Yeah, well, and don't get me wrong. It's like I told you on text last night. It's not that I'm against it. It's just, I guess, it's hard for me to reconcile, like I said. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, dozens and dozens of years, things have been one way because the EU was pretty cohesive in a lot of details and authors would work off of other people's work. I mean, they talk about Kessel in the book uh, Jedi uh, Outcast, which is the very first book in the Fate of the Jedi series. Awesome book, by the way. Um, and 
they talk about it there too. And it's the same basic thing. It's a salt plain with big rocks sticking out of it. It's like a, you know, a desert, a wasteland everywhere. Well, we are hardcore fans. The average fan is not going to notice this care. at all. Yeah, and I get so that. speaking on that topic now, I want to get to your thoughts on this one too, Daniel, because uh, I know that you had some very strong feelings towards it. This episode, what is it that sticks out to you? Uh, well, this episode I was bored with, um, even more so than the last mm-hmm. one. Um, it just seems like it's an extended, uh, what, what was the phrasing I used in the last podcast? An, an extended establishing shot. Establishing shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe my current state of boredom at home is making me want some more action so maybe there's a little <laughs> yeah there's a little like unintended bias there um but uh yeah. w- as soon as they started going to kessel though the first thing my girlfriend and i just said to each other is like oh let's not do a kessel run are we doing another kessel run <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it, it yeah. kind of sort of did a kessel run you know in in I liked the reference to it to see that done. I'd had no problem with that, and they went through. They did. They didn't try to gather faster than was possible, which is good. I'm glad they didn't go that route with it, trying to figure out do the, to do another less than twelve Kessel parsecs. Run. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I did enjoy the reference, the nod to the movies to bring that in, and you know, it's obviously the least popular of all the movies that were made, unfortunately. And we can talk about that in a minute. But at the same time, I thought it was kind of cool to see that this episode for me. I also, I think my favorite part of the episode, and I actually liked this one. Okay, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it, it got anywhere very fast, but I like this episode. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of it was a callback to Return of the Jedi. When you recall Vader on you know the bridge of his Super Star Destroyer, sensing Luke was endangering the mission on Endor for his his team, and he knows like, oh man, Vader's here. Crap. I enjoyed that callback with Anakin on the Jedi cruiser, sensing Ahsoka in the very beginning of the episode when she's taking off. And then also doing basically the same thing where he's saying like, no, let it go. It's not a big deal. Same thing that happens, the the echo of Return of the Jedi coming through in Clone Wars. I mean, obviously this happens before Return of the Jedi, but it's truly an echo just because of the timing of when these stories were released. So I enjoyed that aspect and I thought it was okay. Um, I was kind of hoping to see space pirates, to be honest with you. The pikes are all right with me, but I was mm-hmm. kind of thinking, is Hondo not going to come in and uh, ah. try to hijack their their, their spice runner? <laughs> that would have been great. Guy. Yeah, it, yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah, too. Hondo Anaka is awesome. I mean, I liked the episode. You know, I didn't really say that before, but I actually enjoyed it. I found myself laughing on a couple things that there were a few things that gained levity for me and really, you know, made it enjoyable. I mm-hmm. won't say that it was like this awesome, amazing episode. I think it, it improved wasn't. on the last one. I think I agree. it was better. I, agree. Uh, I wasn't as bored with it as the last one, like uh, Daniel was saying. But, you know, I think that they're trying to get somewhere, and this is a necessary step, which is also why I'm okay with them retconning Kessel into something completely different, because it's yeah. necessary for the story. Yeah. Okay, I can deal with that. It's not that they just did it for no reason. There's a reason. All, all the action is definitely incoming, and it's going to hit us super hard and super fast once they get to the uh, Mandalorian War. Yeah, yeah, can't wait for that. The Siege of Mandalore is going to be really awesome, and I think you're right, because this is playing up to that story. This is the, the middle of the movie where we're trying to figure out what's going on. You know, if you think about this season as a long movie, we're to that middle part where things are like, okay, so where's this going now? And we're trying yeah. to figure that out. And I think Ahsoka's journey is really going to be interesting for us when we see her make peace with the fact that though she's trying not to use her lightsaber or lightsabers uh, and she's trying not to use the force, she's still being put into these situations where she's making these choices. And here's the thing. Ahsoka went from being a Jedi to now working with smugglers 
uh, we talked about temptation before. Things are coming into temptation. She -hmm. was using the Jedi mind trick on uh, the Pikes so they could just get out and steal money from them because they took payment. They were getting out of there. Ahsoka's doing some stuff that a Jedi simply would not do. Yes. So you want to talk about temptation, Daniel, as you mentioned in a prior podcast. We're there yeah, now. Some dark side. Yeah. Yeah, she's making some dark side I choices. did appreciate that when she did use the Jedi mind trick. And it's like, okay, here we go. We're we're starting to cross the line a little bit and uh, go away from Jedi teachings because she's in survival yeah. mode. Absolutely. And I am enjoying the whole dynamic with Trace. I actually am enjoying that aspect of things because mm-hmm. I love that it's it's serving as a barometer for how far Ahsoka is willing to go to protect someone she cares about. She yes. clearly cares about her as a friend and maybe something more. I don't know if there's anything going on there, but I think as a friend at this point, and I think it'll be interesting to see where things go with how far she's willing to go to um, go against the teachings of the Jedi that she's made her life up until this new time period in her life. So I'm curious, what's the big thing that's going to push her to making sure she's following the light side, even though she's not a Jedi and following the Jedi dogma? I think that's coming in the next two episodes, or maybe it's a Siege of Mandalore that establishes it. I could be It'll wrong. It'll be something about Maul, I think. Do you guys think that she goes without her lightsaber for the full four-story arc, or you think she brings it out in the next episode or two? I, I hope hmm. we get to see it, but at the same time, she's still trying to hide her past, so it depends on how long they want to drag yeah. that out. Because um, I, I don't know how her new friends are going to react to that, but uh, they, they, they might, you know, they might just discard her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of surprised by how long this might take for her to kind of expose her past. I mean, I, I get it because... Clearly, Trace established at the beginning of this storyline that she doesn't particularly care for the Jedi because the Jedi don't care for her in the lower levels. No one cares on Coruscant for the lower levels. Rafa, I mean, this character, you know, Trace's older sister, something bad's going to happen there. I don't know what it is, but something bad's going to happen because Rafa's the one that has made her bed and has to lie in it at some point because she is totally good with making these questionable choices and dragging Trace down with her. Because a lot of what goes on that puts Trace in danger is what Rafa's doing to her. Well, my prognostication on this question is, A, Rafa's going to get killed off in the next one or two episodes, leaving Trace alone, because there's too much tension to leave there between her and Ahsoka, the three-way thing they've got going. Well, that wasn't the best way to put that. But the way that they have everything going on between the three of them, they they can't leave it alone. That dynamic can't work because you're putting someone with family choice versus friends, and that's just too much. I think that something will have to change that, whether it be Ahsoka chooses to leave or... And and Trace goes with her, or Rafa gets killed off in some way, or goes her own way. The other thing is, I think we'll see the lightsabers sooner rather than later, because I think that these girls, Rafa and Trace, are smart enough to realize that things should not have gone the way they did in this episode, and they're going to wonder how it happened and why, and the question's going to come up. And I don't know that that will be the thing that brings her out, but I think that it will be something that you know furthers the storyline of him of uh, Ahsoka being put in the position of having to admit who she is to them sooner rather than later. So I just got word that uh, Pornhub thanks you for the uh, pitch right there, Jake. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Go to Cincinnati. Three-way means something entirely different. You're fine. Just order yourself up a nice big plate of three-way and you'll be good. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So as far as these episodes go, Daniel, does this rank as the most boring for you of season seven? Uh, I would say Ouch. so. Yes. Wow. For me, it was the last one. Jake, how about you? Uh, last one. Yeah. I don't think this one me. was that bad. Yeah, this one's okay for me. I am I mean, ready for them to get there, though. I'll, I'll just put it this way. Let's get there. 
I'm ready to get there. Again, now. a lot of it might just be to the fact that we're all, you know, self-isolating and quarantined and, you know, boredom has set in so deeply that, you know, we just want more action in our lives and we need it visually on TV. There Amen you know. to that. I'm looking for the next episode because I feel like that will be the, you know, we're, we're on the downward slope of this four-story arc where we've got two down, we're halfway through, two more to go. Something has to break there. Something's going to happen that intensifies uh, the action of what we're expecting to see. So I think that's going to be good. So I'm curious what plays in. But I actually enjoyed the beginning of the episode. I really enjoyed it, and the end of it I thought was okay. So again, I'm ready to get there. Let's move into our next topic so that we can let our friends who have not seen The Clone Wars don't know what we're talking about. And I'm just saying, once again, please, Please check it out. There's some good storylines going on throughout the whole entire series. So yeah, you're stuck at home. You might as well get caught up, Chris. Yeah, yeah. There you go, buddy. <laughs> and guys, I, I've seen the whole season twice through, and now I'm finally doing the chronological order that StarWars.com recommends. Yes. And oh, okay. I'm about I don't know like 30 episodes in, and just the way it all lines up is it's wonderful to watch it this way so i definitely recommend I gotta that. try that yeah will you send me that link daniel because yeah. i would like to see that i can send it to both of you guys yeah you know what and then let's go and uh, jake will post that on our social media absolutely we we'll put it up on yeah on there so while we're you know loosely talking ahsoka here since uh, learning that rosario dawson has been cast to play ahsoka tano in season two of the mandalorian most of us and i mean most of us really is that way are hoping this is not a one and done shot for her in the role forbes contributor paul tasso is speculating in a recent article this last week that it's a sure sign dawson will get her own ahsoka disney plus series and we're still looking at this. This is all speculation at this point. I like his his point of view on this. He's talking about how she's too big a star to have in for just a one-and-done deal. That's not necessarily so. She might be uh, not just one episode, maybe a couple episodes. And they felt that was a big enough draw. Personally, I think that she is. this is leading to something bigger. And we know from things that... Uh, She's not going to be a series regular on The Mandalorian. That is not what's happening. She is in a guest role on The Mandalorian. But in my view of things, she's too big a character, too big a star for this to be a one-and-done deal. Daniel, I know you've seen some stuff out there, too. Uh, what is it you found? Uh, well, Deadline, when they officially confirmed uh, Rosario Dawson was uh, cast in Season 2, they have a, I'll just do a quick little pull quote. It says... Quote, while many have remained silent about Dawson's casting, what we know at this time is that it's not a series regular role. So I think that definitely uh, comes back full circle to last week's podcast episode when I said that there's a very good chance that she might just drop in the final episode of season two as kind of a teaser of bigger things to come, whether that's a spinoff of her own or maybe a series regular role in uh, season three. Um but don't expect lots of Ahsoka in uh, season two, according to Deadline Hollywood. Curse you for being right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer, but Not I get bad. it. And if it leads, yeah, if it leads on to her having her own series or whatever, that's fine. And I guess the question is, you know, what do you define as a regular? Can she be on the show twice and not be a regular? Can it be three times? I and mean, where does that draw the line? Is there some sort of like written rule that says if you're a regular you have to show up this many times sort of thing i don't know you know she's a regular if she's in the the actual like names and the credits and everything as a series regular so she's going to be in sure. that that guest role that says uh you know guest starring so and so uh obviously in this case will be rosario dawson but she might be two or three episodes uh, i think at most two probably one 
And it just makes sense to me. Disney Plus, I mean, you look at the different announcements that have come out and you see Bob Iger, who uh, has stepped down now, but has said that they are looking at Star Wars is a television driven commodity right now. And they want to look at spinoffs of The Mandalorian. He has said that they're looking for more properties for Disney Plus to manufacture more of the product they want to put out there. So to me... It makes complete sense that Rosario Dawson, having campaigned for the role for the last couple of years, having engaged with fans on many different times. I was going through social media. She's entertained this multiple times in her social media posts. She likes this. She's a geek, as Daniel pointed out before. She loves geekdom. She wants to be a part of it. She's joining that world. She knows what it means to be a part of Star Wars. She's welcoming and embracing it. And I think that she wants that series. And she is a, a pretty close to being an A-lister, if not an A-lister at, as her Standing in the Hollywood community. She's a highly sought after actress for many projects. So if you look at this, I think she's committing to a series or at least a, um, you know, a, a standalone one season deal like the Kenobi series that we're expecting to see. I would not be shocked at all if that's what they did. Then also let's talk about you know, where we see this going in terms of what she might look like, because we've seen some different looks for Ahsoka over the years. Ahsoka sporting a new one right now in the Clone Wars with her, you know, mm -hmm. denim looking overalls or whatever it is. She's got this getup that she's wearing this, you know, bodysuit thing. So now you look at where she was at the end of Rebels. <clears throat> you guys, we were talking about this earlier. Rebels takes place before the original Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4, that takes place leading up to it, uh, or even up to Rogue One at that point. That's where it's taking off. But the end of the series, the final episode, takes place you know, five, six years after the Battle of Endor from Return of the Jedi. That's the same time frame we're in right now, that five to six years time frame after the Battle of Endor for the Mandalorian. She comes in, at Rebels, she looked like Ahsoka the White. That's where we were with this. And that's what Dave Filoni keeps drawing is Ahsoka the White. When he puts his posts out there, he likes to go ahead and put her in this Ahsoka the White. I think that's how she's going to look. I could be wrong, but what are your expectations of what she's going to look like as she meets the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda? Hmm. Daniel, you have any thoughts on I that? I would have to... I need a second. I would have to <laughs> stick with the Ahsoka the White look. Um, it's going to be very conservative very not jedi very not sith um i don't i don't know what that look really entails as far as like underneath a white robe that she's seen wearing um but i i, I can't expect mm. it to be too revealing i guess is the best way to put it uh i think it'll be a very yeah. conservative look um maybe not so much skin as people would want to see um <laughs> But uh, as we would be okay with seeing earlier, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that it's going to be uh, very, very proper, very formal, very not again, not not the brown tan look of like the Jedi robes, um, but not the the dark side robes either. So you know, if you just kind of you know maybe just change all those colors to white, there you go. She would be pretty striking in all white. Yeah, I mean. With the skin tone and the montrails, the head tails that she has that are blue and white and everything, that would be pretty epic. What a pain in the ass for the wardrobe department no and makeup kidding. department, though, with white and all that orange body paint and all that going uh -huh. on. That is going to be something else. But uh, Man, that's a detail we don't have to worry about, so I'm okay with that. Uh, another reason I want to say that I think that this, there's more going on than just this guest appearance on The Mandalorian is because we know that Dave Filoni, he's very partial to the character of Ahsoka. That's his creation. Mm -hmm. It's something he's intensely proud of. He has a lot of love for this character and has guided her through the years since the inception of her. And 
so now you look at where this is going. I just don't think Dave Filoni, since he is not only the creator of this character from the Clone Wars, but also uh, one of the showrunners for The Mandalorian, I, I think he's got more projects ahead, and I think it will be a Dave Filoni-fronted project. And I think he'll, they'll have guest directors come to play as well. But I think he's got a love for the, he's got a lot of love for this character. Oh, yeah. She's not going anywhere that quickly. Yeah. I think what we're seeing right now with Mandalorian Season 1 and even what has been released for Season 2 is that Jon Favreau bringing in all those different directors for Season 1 was... It was a great idea, but it was also needed because he was dealing with, you know, the production and post-production of The Lion King still. Um, and I think that actually sets up a great way to interject new directing and writing talents um, into the series, and then that way they can just kind of pick who they want out of that and be like, hey, you, you interested in, uh, you know, you, you did great on, on season one episodes for The Mandalorian. Would you be interested in a Obi-Wan Kenobi series? You know, we think that you're a good fit for it and and so on and so forth. Deborah Chow, just, what up? Just like, just like Taco yeah. Atiti, you know, the rumor is that he might be looked at for a, a Star Wars movie, which would be fantastic. Please, 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 please. Yes, it or, would, please. Or if they want to give him a show, that's fine. I'll do that too. I, I'm, I'm all for more Taka, no matter what. But I think it's, it's an interesting yeah. way to, especially with all the directing problems that they've had in some of their movies with, you know, Lord Miller getting fired and, and, you know, just all the different changes that have taken place in some of the movies. Uh, it's a great way to just be able to realize who you can work with uh, more so than others and not have to, you know, take these risks with these big budget movies um, and, and yeah. you have to do a complete changeover halfway through, you know, like with the Han Solo movie. And instead, you, you can kind of get a good feel of how, how they work with Lucasfilm in, in the Star Wars universe just based on one episode. Man, just imagine if they didn't have somebody scaring off all the directors constantly. I, I don't think know that's who a, that would be. Yeah, I think that's a great subject to bring up at this point because you look at what happened with Solo, which I think was a great movie. I really enjoyed it mm -hmm. a great deal. I still think Ron Howard needed to get his own from start to finish project to do with Star Wars because he I'll gets it. He knows what's up. Yeah, yep. there was a yep. lot of problems, and we can look at Last Jedi backlash a lot. We can look at marketing efforts. We can look at all those things. And then just everyone hearing about the problems with the production of the movie and thinking, well, this thing must not be very good. I'm not going to go to it. But if you watch the movie, it was really entertaining, a lot of fun. I like the characters. No one is Harrison Ford. you got to get past it. No one's yeah. Harrison Ford. His Han Solo is Han Solo. But... If you forget that aspect or put it aside, you know, put it in a little box, tuck it aside for a little bit, you really enjoy the movie, and I enjoyed the uh, this version of Han Solo quite a bit, too. I think he did a really good job. But I just oh, wish yeah. that they went Absolutely. a little bit younger with the lead role. Like, maybe maybe, yeah. maybe instead yeah. of, what, what what's the age frame, uh, approximately, for, for that movie? Like, he's probably, like, in his early 20s. Like, maybe if he was, like... I'd At say his, his late teens in the beginning, the, yeah. the first thing on Kessel, and then going in early 20s, I think you're right. So I just listened to the audiobook for the novelization of the solo movie, and if I remember correctly, he was around 18, 19 years old at that point when he uh, finally got off Corellia and started going out and doing stuff. So that's where I think he's at. My point is about age is I, I wish he wasn't as close to... Han Solo's age in A New Hope because then you don't have to really focus mm -hmm. too much on the appearance aspect of it if he's a little bit younger. Oh, sure. So if okay. he was like 16 and, you know, there you know people look differently when they're 16 to when they're, you know, 28, 
30 years old or however old he is in sure. New Hope. I think I wish they would have went a little bit younger with him. But then, you know, some of the things that happened, you know, you can't really see a 16-year-old doing. So I guess there's just the... Sure. The, uh, the you know, that it, it, it worked for what it was, but the appearance thing is what bothers me a lot with that movie. Alden Ehrenreich was great. I think the biggest problem for me in his casting was just the fact that he was so much shorter than Harrison Ford. I mean, he's not, I mean, Han Solo's kind of a, a tall, rugged, rogue-looking guy, mm-hmm. and that was the one thing that was hard for me to get past, that he's just a shorter guy. I think he did a great job with the swagger. I think he did a good job of yep. specifically being a more, how do I put it, positive Han Solo, one that, that is feeling like things are going to work out, as opposed to the guy that we meet later on who's lived some life and had some things turn bad on him. Um, you know, so I, I think that I thought that part of it was fun. But getting back to the subject I wanted to get to with Star Wars, being willing to take some chances... Will Star Wars ever allow projects to go a different way? Marvel has done a really fantastic job in its Marvel Cinematic Universe of having different types of feel movies, like uh, comedic is a, you know is a way mm-hmm. we 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 saw little zingers here and there with the advent of Iron Man and the Thor and all the movies that came out introducing the heroes but they weren't necessarily comedic overall there were zingers in in funny moments and you get those in Star Wars too but they were willing to branch out you look at Taika Waititi what he did with um Ragnarok that was just so great to really just delve into the strength of the the characters in the story and specifically the actors what are their strengths and Chris Hemsworth is a very funny yeah. guy he's really comfortable and he was bored with Thor until they allowed him to to play into the things that he enjoys. He likes being funny, and he is funny. He has great timing, and the way he delivers is great. I wonder if Star Wars is ever going to... I say Star Wars. I wonder if Lucasfilm and the leadership there is ever going to allow it to have some different types of feel when it comes to the type of movie they're making, because they could go comedic, they could go scary, they could go a lot of different ways. Regarding the, the yeah. Marvel uh, example that you're using, uh, I think it's spot on because... Ever since, like, Guardians of the Galaxy movies and uh, Thor Ragnarok, like, Marvel started going weird, and it actually was cool and made it more interesting. And I would I, I would love to have uh, uh, Star Wars go a little bit more weird. Yeah, I think there's room for that. I, I definitely think there's room for that. In the Star Wars universe is a big one. That galaxy far, far away is a big galaxy. Go explore it. Have some fun with it. Do some different things. Jake, what do you think? Well, I think, you know, we need to have a Deadpool-style movie. Yeah. With Star Wars. That How would epic dope. would that be? I mean, I don't know what character they would use. They'd probably just need to come up with somebody totally different. Let Marvel figure it out. Marvel Comics yeah, introduce one and then go. Sure. I mean, Man, if there's we could a just, place for source If we material. could just get rid of that one thing that just gets in the way of Star Wars being the greatness <laughs> that it could be. I don't know what that thing would be, but if we could just get rid of it, you know, cut that cancer out of Lucasfilm, then we'd be in great shape. I don't know what you're referencing, but that's why yeah, I don't know. It. I'm sure Daniel knows what I'm talking about. Well, you are holding up a big sign that says KK. Yes. Yes. Only two. Only though, two. Not three. Only not two. three. Let's be clear. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yes. Very clear. We're, we're going in the vein of a, a, a Kathleen that we know of. Okay. Yes, Exactly. So let's go ahead and move on from this topic because I could go down this uh, for so much further when we talk about what is potential for greatness of Star Wars. But we, we know they're going to get some projects that we're all getting excited about soon enough, especially as soon as production can resume on a lot of projects that they've been working I, I, I'll, on. I'll tell you what, uh, since you said that, I just thought like now is a great time where script writers and just creatives should be like hunkered down and like yeah, refining exactly. scripts and just creating new new content and pitches. So I hope this is like a good development period for everyone uh, 
who already works in the industry and maybe, you know, some new people that uh, rise from this and, and, you know, get their chance. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope they take this time to go back and dig into the EU and get some of those awesome characters that are in there. Because like we were talking about, you know, earlier before the show, you know, use up that stuff because it makes it easier to make the content you want to make now. And if you're doing TV, you need to take those shortcuts when you can. And there's so many fantastic characters. Give me a Kyle Katarn. In the EU. Yeah. Oh, man. Kyle Katarn. Revan. Yeah. uh, Mara Jade. um, Who else? Uh, Natasi Dalla, Admiral Dalla from the Jedi Search, and then for all kinds of canon or non canon stuff. I mean, there's just so many epic good guys and bad guys that they could pick up and run with that would just be Quinlan fun. Voss. Yeah, there's a lot of content. Quinlan Voss could, 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 yes. could you know, he's the one who, who, Quinlan who, who Voss. tread the line of being a Jedi and then trying to infiltrate yes. the Sith. And I mean, that story arc right there, I want to see. If they would do the movie of him going with Asajj Ventress to try to get Dooku during the Clone Wars, that would be flipping yeah. awesome. I'm just so. going to finish off that with, I'm down. I'm ready for that. I want to see <laughs> yeah. that. Well, we're all pretty much just ready to get whatever content we can, right? So feed come it on, to Disney. me. I'm going to consume it. It's how it's going to work. Let me give you my money, please. <laughs> you know, we all started this uh, this conversation off with talking about the Mandalorian. I'm going to get back to the Mandalorian for just a moment. So we we're talking about where we want to see Ahsoka go from this, if you can remember, because we went down the rabbit hole. While we're on the subject of the Mando, let's get uh, get to that making Star Wars report that Bill Burr's former Imperial sharpshooter from season one. And we know that he's turned into a bounty hunter at this point. He's back for season two. And also, legendary 80s and 90s action star Michael Bean is also joining the fray as a bounty hunter. I can't express how excited I am about this news. Love him from projects like one that Jake and I are particularly fond of from back in the day, Navy Navy Seals. Seals, We know him from Terminator. And then my favorite role ever is Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. Tombstone. I think he was just straight badass villain in that movie. And making Star Wars is saying that they're trying to give a nod to this with some of the reports they've got out there that that, uh, Jason Ward has heard from making Star Wars, that they're trying to incorporate elements of Johnny Ringo's appearance as that villainous guy into the uniform that we'll see him wearing, the outfit that he's wearing in this movie. And they're even, he, Jason Ward is even saying that he's heard, we'll see if this is true, but he's pretty good with these things. He's heard that they're giving certain nods to the different iconic roles that he's played over the years by having him repeat some of those lines that he's known for from Terminator, Tombstone, and those projects, and Navy SEALs. So if you've not seen those movies, you don't know who Michael Bean is, you need to familiarize with him because, man, the guy was in some great stuff. He just was. So I'm excited. He's clearly, we know he's he's cast as a bounty hunter from what Making Star Wars is reporting. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be a good guy. I think he's going to be someone that's going to be a problem, especially if he's tied with Bill Burr, because Bill Burr has some bad blood now. His character, uh, which is Mayfield, I believe, if memory yeah. serves, uh, has some, some bad feelings toward the Mandalorian. So if he's back in another episode, you know he's going to be a thorn in the side of the Mando. Din Djarin. and I'm I'm gonna say that they're probably after Baby Yoda at that point. They're probably engaged to get Baby Yoda. Daniel, hearing this news, what stands out to you? Uh, well, I'm actually looking at the picture right now of the uh, concept art of how he looks, and uh, I, I really do like it. It definitely is reminiscent of the Mud Troopers from Mimban in the Han Solo movie. Um, I don't know if he's going to be like a former one. I mean, we kind of went that way with Cara Dune because I think she was formerly a, a shock trooper. 
Um, but you know, you know, there's lots of troopers that probably aren't troopers anymore. So it makes sense just to have former troopers. Um, Big galaxy. It's definitely got that, that mud trooper look. Um, and it has kind of a little, uh, like samurai flair to it. I know he's holding a gun. I noticed that, but it, but it definitely kind of gives me that, uh, the helmet, the helmet gives me that, that, that feel. Jake, Michael Bean in star Wars. Michael Bean, it's like you said before, the guy's just a monstrous badass of all badassery, you know? Tombstone, <laughs> Terminator movies, stuff, you know, Navy SEALs, of course, which we watched far too many times growing way up. Way too many times. Way, way, way too many times. But he just, like, he's just awesome. And I think that having him play a bounty hunter in Star Wars could really be an eye-opening experience for a lot of us. Because I think he could just slide right into that role and just knock it out of the park. And so I'm super excited to see, and hopefully they just let him run with it and see what he can do, because I think that there's a lot of potential there for just total awesomeness. He's going to nail it. I- I'm just going to say, he's going to oh, nail it. I have yeah. a feeling that his character might potentially be the one who walked up, um, I forget her name, um, but they just showed a foot, and everyone thought it would have been Boba Fett in one of the episode, one of the end of the episodes. Um, yes, w- the one with Deborah oh, Chow yes. Yeah. yes, yes. And, and you know there was there was just one foot that you saw come over to her, and perhaps perhaps that's him. I oh, completely yeah. forgot about that. They no wouldn't show that. Yeah, they would not show that without having a plan for that. Good call out, Dan. Nice job. Yeah, I like it. That's a great theory. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we need to get something out about that. That's an excellent theory. He might be teaming up with her because I mean the implication is that she's going to be okay, or he's taking her uh-huh. her um her tracker. So he can go after Baby Yoda, but yeah. regardless, I, I think that that might be the uh, the reference there because I think a lot of people initially thought that they heard like Spurs, so it could have been like Cad Bane or someone, um, mm-hmm. oh, um, which yeah. would be cool as well to see him in live action. Well, there's your Tombstone callback, but right you there. know, it might just yeah. be it just might be him instead, and you know that was kind of a easy way to just. Uh, tease a character that they hadn't fully developed yet and who wasn't coming to the next season anyways. Wouldn't it be yeah. great too if they brought Ming-Na Wen back for that too to uh, show uh, things leading up to that moment? Uh, anything with Ming-Na Wen in it, I am all over that. <laughs> she is so amazing. I know you're a fan, Jake. I know you are a I'm fan. I'm definitely a fan, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what other characters do we want to see coming out? There's a lot of ways we could go. There's a lot of articles speculating they think that uh, Mara Jade is going to be one of those figures yes. that you see come into play at some That'd point in the Disney Plus era of things. Um, you know, and they're unconfirmed reports. Let me put it this way unconfirmed, purely speculative, but people saying that they think that uh, the movie that Kevin Feige is working on from Marvel would involve Mara Jade. I'll believe it when I see it. I think that's a yeah. wish for a lot of people. I'm not I'm not convinced, but there's thoughts about that. And of course that he has said that there are people from the Marvel Cinematic Universe he wants to bring into Star Wars. Is Mara Jade something you want to see, Dan? Uh, I would just anyone that has a lightsaber that they want to bring from the, you know, legends into real canon, I'm, I'm all for. Um, again, as I've said multiple times on previous podcasts, the more lightsabers, the better for me. Yep, absolutely. Um, Mara Jade, for the casual fans, uh, is from Legends. She was the Emperor's Hand, which is like his force-using 
uh, enforcer, basically. He sent her out to take care of problems like corrupt imperial officials and people that needed to be dealt with that, uh, you know, she would go. She had absolute authority to do anything she wanted, to commandeer resources, whatever. She was just like this implacable government assassin, basically, that would go out and handle business. And she was a force user. She was a human. She was a female redhead. Uh, and she ended up in canon or in Legends, uh, marrying Luke Skywalker, being redeemed, blah, blah, blah. She had a bad history. You know, she did some bad stuff, but then she turned it around. And she's just such a deep character. I mean, she's in so many books. She comes to a kind of a bad end in the one of the series. I'm not going to ruin it for people that haven't read them. But, man, I would love to see her story arc fleshed out a little more because she's just, you know, she's kind of one of those people that walks the line between good and bad in a practical, like, everyday sense rather than just pure hero or pure villain. And I think that's where the interesting stuff really comes in in storytelling is the places that are not so obvious. You know, it's not Tombstone where all the bad guys wear a red sash and it's obvious what's going on. It's real life. And go to Heir to the, so. Heir to the Empire, that trilogy, the Zahn trilogy, is where you really get to know her from the beginning, and then she follows with other Legends books. But that's where you start. That Zahn trilogy is just such a great place to start for any fan who wants to delve further in. Even though it's no longer canon, it is something that's really fun to go into. Dan? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, piggybacking on that and something I said earlier, you know, just walking that line of light and dark um, is, is kind of where... I would like to see a lot of focus because we know enough about the Sith. We know enough about the light side, but you know, maybe it's time to reestablish more of the gray Jedi that we were hoping to see possibly in what was that for rise of Skywalker? Um, you know, everyone had their speculation that Ray was going to create a, a gray Jedi order uh, or, you know, whatever. But I, I, I think uh, showing people who are, uh, adapting to using both sides of the light and the dark is is highly intriguing for me. Absolutely. And, you know, they could still establish that Grey Jedi if they want to with, with Rey down the line, if they can convince Daisy Ridley to sign on for new projects. I think that is something a lot of us want to see, so I think it's a good place to go. And that that is still out and open for exploration if they want to do it. But I think you're right. I think that's something a lot of us would like to see. We've seen the Sith. We've seen the Jedi. We saw what brought the Jedi down. We saw what brought the Sith down. So what's in the middle? Where, where's where's the path lead for Force Caesars now? And I think I'd like to see that as well. All right. Let's move on to our final subject here. Some news from the upcoming Cassian and or Disney Plus series starring Diego Luna. Lucasfilm practical effects guru Neil Scanlon told MovieWeb that they will be using a backlog of characters from past projects for this and those characters got cut from ones uh, for the stories that they were going to tell for movies and projects that got stalled. He's also calling it a wonderful opportunity. Now, this should help with costs because creating creatures is expensive. It's time consuming. Uh, and also, we can say that these projects that were intended for film projects, so these characters that they created, these creatures and all that sort of stuff, it's going to be good because the quality is going to be good. Television typically is a lesser quality, though it has certainly improved in recent years to, to invest in a big project. And, and thank goodness for uh, the advent of HBO and the shows they did there because that is who we can thank for this golden era of television we've been enjoying. And then you look at what happened again with HBO when they brought in, uh, you know, the Mother of Dragons and all that going on with... Uh, Game of Thrones, that certainly helped with the rising uh, costs that are associated with high-quality television, and Disney Plus has definitely adopted that. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it helps get things out faster, especially in light of COVID-19 and the whole coronavirus thing, shutting productions down and, and drawing out how long it will take. 
for Cassian Andor, if they have all these creatures and all these things already ready to go, it's going to make it cheaper to produce. It's going to make it so they can get it out faster. And also, you know they did some great work. It's not as if Star Wars movies were trying to skimp on uh, making things as badass as they could be. So I think we're getting some really quality stuff. And I'm excited about where Neil Scanlon is going with the creatures for the new show for Cassidy Andor. Because if it's a spy show, it's you know pre-Rebellion or as the Rebellion is getting started. And, and it's you know the Alliance at that point. I think you're going to see some pretty cool stuff and a lot of, you know, space hopping from planet to planet and all that sort of stuff, encountering a lot of different creatures. And that'll be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be epic and give them the ability to really, you know, they've got this hugely deep bench to use this sports metaphor, since I'm sure a lot of people are missing sports right now. Um, they've got this deep bench of characters and in people, basically, that they can draw from both in the movies and the EU and use it, man. This stuff's already been fleshed out. Why not? Why not use it to, like you said, make things cheaper, make them faster? And I think TV, like you said, Nate, TV is really going to be rising right now, as yeah. it already is. And the advent of streaming services and everybody's, I mean, streaming services basically are ubiquitous now. Everybody's got an account somewhere and they're using it to consume content. And honestly, I'm not saying that movie screens are going to go away anytime soon because there's nothing to be said, you know, you can't get that experience that you get at the movie theater at home, even with a big TV. It's not the same thing. But I think that, you know, the rise of streaming is going to give us more content that's on the caliber of, you know, say a lower end movie on a regular basis from the franchises that we love. And I think that's awesome. You know, more content, more, more, more. Give me more. I think the whole Rogue One um, series opportunities is, is 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 so vast and great. I mean, just as a quick example off the top of my head, like who doesn't want to hang out with Greedo in an episode? Like have him show up and, and, <laughs> yeah. and there's some kind yeah. of like interaction there. Um, even if it's just a, you know, uh, four lines or something or just one scene yeah. um, or, or, you know, and I know everyone wants, wants this really, really bad, uh, you know, perfect opportunity to really get people to sign up and subscribe and tune into that show you know, maybe we get a Boba Fett appearance. I mean, and, and then that could spin off into a pre A New Hope Boba Fett show, um, which I would rather see him in it more in his prime in that time frame than what happens to him if he possibly escaped the Sarlacc. Um, plus, there's just there's so much more. Which he did. There's so much more unknown in, uh, pre A New Hope um, that I think. The, the sandbox could be a lot more fun to play with, especially if we're using characters that we know that that we've known and saw that have, you know, passed on like Greedo, you know, in a new, uh, a new hope, you know, you can give him a little adventure or something. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun and it would be cool. And you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Boba Fett at this point because Neil Scanlon was asked about the projects that were developed because we know that Josh Trank had a project going on for a while. We know that, uh, that was, he was, you know, fired from that after the fantastic four version that he made, uh, for Fox before acquired by Disney was not good. Uh, terrible and such a waste of a great, great concept. You can't wait till Marvel writes that ship. But getting back to it, so Trank's version was done. That was under development. Then also you had James Mangold, who directed and wrote uh, Logan, which was just a masterpiece of a movie, and so disappointed that that did not work out because of the poor performance of Solo. And again, there's a lot of contributing factors. Why Disney made that decision to shut all those other projects down is beyond me based upon that, because it's not as if there weren't mitigating factors that were part of the reason why Solo didn't perform as high a standard as they were hoping for when it comes to the amount of money they made from it. But 
uh, Scanlan was asked about that, and he said that there's been a lot of stuff going on, and, and you know that there are. Boba Fett is a character that's talked about all the time, well known in Lucasfilm that there is a lot of love for Boba Fett, but can't say that there's anything locked down happening for Boba Fett at this time. But it is certainly something that I think a lot of people like to see, just as it is with Phasma. I mean, that's another character that had a really cool concept of a, you know, an outfit, the armor, all that. And we never really got to know that character. And what a waste of a talented actress with mm-hmm. that role for Phasma. Could have been so awesome. I want to see how Phasma got to be Phasma. You know, I want to see how Boba Fett... I mean, we see part of how Boba Fett became Boba Fett just from the Clone Wars uh, kind of telling the younger years uh, when still a young bounty hunter as a basically a child and a teen uh, at that point. But I would like to know... I'd like to see what made Boba Fett Boba Fett. You know, what what created that, that badass, you know, bounty hunter that everybody was leery of? Boba Fett. Boba Fett, you know, that's that's what I'm, yeah. I want to know. We want to see him rise through the ranks of, of bounty hunter dumb and, and see how he he became so notorious. And I think, like I, like I said, I think that's a perfect opportunity to explore more Boba Fett is before A New Hope instead of after Return of the Jedi, um, just to just to see his rise and, and, and you know, infamy. Well, and there again, so much of his character has already been fleshed out in the EU. I mean, he is in dozens of books. It's all consistent. I mean, if they really wanted to make it easy, they could go to not necessarily like the happenings, but like who he is, his character traits and his, you know, motivations and stuff. It's all there. You know, go get Karen Travis. She loves Boba Fett. She writes books about him all the time. She's the one Star Wars usually taps in the EU to write stories about him and the Mandalorians because it's her passion. I mean, it's all there. All they got to do is turn it into TV. For God's sake, Disney, give us give us content. Let me throw money at you. <laughs> if only there was someone who understood that there was lots of content available and that they don't <laughs> need to make new content because they have existing content. Hmm. I know. Wouldn't that be a great universe or galaxy far, far away to live in, right? Yeah, let Marvel take over creating new characters let marvel create the storylines that are fun they know what they're doing give them the right to just go crazy and then cherry pick what you want and turn into star wars content beyond the comics into live action or animation i don't care i will say that they are doing that with the miniseries the the rise of kylo ren which is a fantastic four issue comic book miniseries Mm -hmm. so you know just keep opening yes keep opening those doors and let them keep on creating new characters and telling new stories going back to old characters and develop them even further i mean again it all comes back to uh give me more content give me give me yeah yeah that's it we want more content and that guys is going to wrap up our show thank you so much please make sure you join us again next week with new episodes of the force geeks of star wars podcast dropping every monday usually i have been late on these things this has been known to happen but we are on apple uh, excuse me we are on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify just about any place you get your podcast from you can find the force geeks there and thank you jake and daniel for helping me talk about anything other than the threat of coronavirus I appreciate the welcome distraction. Daniel, we know you, of course, from The Daily Superhero. Uh, feel free to let us know where we can find your channel. You can also find me on Facebook at The Daily Superhero and on Twitter at Daily Superhero. Gentlemen, I bid you farewell for this week and uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And please feel free to hit us up with your emails at TheForceGeeks at Gmail. We're on Twitter, so follow us at TheForceGeeks. And on Facebook, just search the Force Geeks, and remember, if you don't follow the Force Geeks, you're looking for your Star Wars and Alderaan places. 
Talk to you soon, and may the force be with you all. Wash your hands! <laughs>